0: It's Saturday, May 18th. Welcome to another Apropos of Nothing episode of Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Here's the quick preamble. This is Apropos of Nothing. This is the fifth time we've done an episode like this in the last couple of years. This is going to be over an hour long, and it's going to have nothing to do with investing. This is me, Bill Barker from MFAM Funds. Roger Friedman, who is our friend and longtime colleague here at The Motley Fool, and I'm happy to say that once again, producer Dan Boyd does weigh in from time to time. If you've listened to these types of episodes before, Roger Friedman was actually on the very first one we did. If you haven't listened, now might be a good time to just tap out. We will be back on Monday with our regular programming, but this is something we recorded last week, just to have a little fun. We got in the studio with some adult beverages. One note of warning for anyone who has not seen the movie Avengers Endgame. About 20 minutes into this episode, we talk about the movie, that conversation lasts somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 minutes. There are spoilers, so you've been warned. For the narrow slice of people who listen to Market Foolery and are big fans of The Avengers but still haven't seen the movie, you've been warned. The movie's actually come up a couple of times in this episode, maybe that's not a surprise, including right here at the start with the opening comment from Bill Barker. Dan Boyd, take it away.
1: When I think of Mike Myers' best work, it is not subtle work, <laughs> right?
2: I'm sorry. When I think of Mike Myers' best work.
1: I think that's a fair thing, to Sure, he's, he's produced some classics of, of a certain genre.
0: I think that's probably accurate to say about a lot of people from Saturday Night Live, particularly the men. It's like, well, when I think of Will Ferrell's best work, when I think of Chris Farley's best work, a lot of time, it's pretty over the top. And it's, at its best, it's amazing. And there have been some moments,
1: and one comes very quickly to mind, of somebody from Saturday Night Live who did a fantastic job in a straight role that you never would have expected. Wait, wait.
2: Bill Murray, Lost in Translation.
0: I was going to say, uh, and yes, I agree with that. I was going to say Dan Aykroyd in Driving Miss Daisy. Yes,
1: yes. You would never have expected him to be doing that. Steve Martin, the jerk. <laughs> uh, yes, and everybody's working Ghostbusters. But it, it's uh, are we are we rolling yet? Do you think?
0: Yeah, we've been rolling for a while. Really? I don't know when we're starting, but we've been rolling. I mean, for we've a while. been rolling. Yeah, we've been recording for a while. Yeah. So I I was saying, Barker. Right before I came in here, I I went over to talk to uh, one of our colleagues who has younger children, because we were talking the other day about cursive, and it occurred to me, like, I don't know if cursive writing is still being taught in schools, and it actually is, but I I still think, I still think that's, if cursive writing is a stock, you're not buying shares, right? That thing's eventually going to zero. So, my
2: eldest daughter just got her learner's permit. And part of the process is you have to put in your signature on the, the pad. And I, I guess she hasn't been practicing this. Uh, her cursive was non-existent and she wrote an L and an F. I was like, that's initials, that's not cursive. So my sense, at least where my kids go to school, is cursive is not part of the curriculum.
1: Did she, in fact, fail the learner's permit test because of that? I'm sorry, we needed some (laughs) cursive right here. Go back home and study a little harder. We we did have to go home from the DMV once, but that's because... Were tears involved?
2: Uh, No. Well, yes. I, I didn't bring the right forms. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh my! That, by forms? Well, no, no. Pieces you didn't have like seven different forms of identification, right? Right.
2: So I, I made the assumption that they know me since they've issued things to me, and I've heretofore given them information that leads them to believe that I'm me. And so, my driver's license and these eight other things might qualify as identification, since yeah. they issued it but no. Yeah. I had to also bring in a voter registration card.
1: Just you were lucky you weren't in this the state of Maryland where I once showed up at the DMV with a, a passport, a DC driver's license and a social security card and that was not enough.
0: You're pretty suspect.
1: <laughs> the DC D- driver's D- D-C license DC is hardly a, a basic, government, yeah, right? Yeah, basically. It's not even a state. They looked at the DC driver's license and said this means nothing. This <laughs> this you could this could be anything.
0: What a a slap in the face for the District of Columbia! Can I just suggest that's the one slap in the face? Um, Can I just suggest that uh, here's a tip for your daughter: if she just goes with her initials like she did, but then just adds a squiggly line after each one, then she's every doctor in America writing. Well, she has parents, and
2: we've given her that guidance and and that that example to, uh, to follow.
0: Nope, she's a bit of a disappointment.
2: So are we doing a show, or are we just gonna? I don't know how this becomes a thing.
0: We just talk until eventually something magical happens. Yeah, there's no intro like, "Hey, we're starting." I'm gonna cut an intro later. 40- Forty-five
1: minutes in, typically somebody says something worthwhile.
0: Yeah. So the reason we're talking
2: about cursive. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned to me that this is apropos of nothing V, which I mean surprises me on several levels because yeah. I thought.
1: V for victory.
2: Right. I thought we had done so poorly on the first one that we didn't do anything with it. And we're like, a couple of years later, let's try it again. But apparently, you've done others.
0: Yes. I hope that doesn't no, that's fine. upset you that we did this with other people. It, sure. <laughs> so, so aside from the fact that there have been others of
2: these, and as you know, I don't listen. Um, Neither do I. <laughs> you're
1: but, in good company. Right.
2: So, you said it was volume V. Yeah. And and we were trying to talk about places where Roman numerals come into play, and aside from the Super Bowl, there wasn't a lot. And then we, uh, the the question is, which is the most useless skill that our children have no need to learn? Is it learning to count to a hundred in Roman numerals? Is it cursive? Is it stick shift? Um, and the fourth was reading an analog clock, the one with the hands that go around. Um, I, I can't think of an instance where anyone will need Roman numerals.
1: I wonder if you still have problems on the SAT done in Roman numerals, like math problems, huh.
0: whether that's possible. I that's
1: believe that may have, may have occurred. They probably stopped it before your year.
0: <laughs> do, do they show up? Uh, Don't you think? You Don't multiply? you think like you,
1: you had to learn to do math in in Roman numerals? In my day,
2: <laughs> <laughs> with the Romans, <laughs> back, back with the what, what century were you? And say it in Roman numerals, please. <laughs>
1: Uh, of those, what's the, the, the only one? What would actually be useful?
0: By, by the way, you just reminded me of the other place that Roman Numerals shows up, and it's at the very end of a movie credit. Oh, that's a good point. Where, for some reason, movie studios have decided, no, nope, we're just going to keep doing this. We're, keep, we're going to keep saying, this is the year that the movie was produced, and instead of putting numbers, mm-hmm. we're going to put it in Roman numerals.
1: Yeah, you got to know Roman numerals. I mean, you could get lost in the preface for a book. If you can't count Roman numerals, no. You never find your
0: way back to where you got stopped reading. Keep flipping. I think analog clocks, those are going to be around for a while. They've got they're, staying power, watches, they've, things They've like got more staying power, I would argue, than stick shift. No, th- stick shift oh, no.
1: Th- no, stick shift is, if you're going to Europe, you better still know how oh, to drive true. a stick shift, or else get ready to pay triple for your, your car rental. I think analog clocks, from an aesthetic
2: point of view, will stick around. I think they're kind of worthless, because you don't even have to turn your head to see a digital readout. You, you have eight different devices that tell you what the real-time is.
1: Additionally, realistically, you don't have a chance to ever play James Bond if you can't drive a stick shift, or be a star in Fast he, and the he Furious. He might adapt. I, not having seen the Fast and the Furious, I'm not sure about this, but I'm going to guess that they're using stick yeah, shift. Dan, kind of Dan, you would know.
2: He lost interest 20 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs>
3: uh, no, driving a stick shift is like crazy important. You You need to know how to do it. Yeah.
2: Okay, so Dan would put stick shift at number 1. And I, I don't disagree. I think uh, if you're at a friend's party, house party. And this happened to me. And this is a really long boring story, but stick shift is important.
1: Skip to the punchline.
2: Stick shift oh. it, it, there are uses no for No
3: truer words have I'm ever been be, said. There's going to be times in almost anyone's life where just knowing how to drive a stick shift is going to get you out of a bad situation or get somebody who's in a bad situation into a good situation.
2: It's as if I had told my whole long, boring story and Dan summarized
0: it. <laughs> That's why Dan's here.
3: It's the main reason Dan is here. It was one of the things that, like, when I learned how to ride a motorcycle, like, I already knew how to drive stick shifts. So it was oh, actually really easy for me. All right. So, yeah, so one of the things. Stick
0: shift is most valuable. And by the way, using Dan's scale. Roman numerals. That's not going to get you out of a bad situation. You're not going to be in a situation you're like, God, if only someone knew Roman numerals. It's, I don't know. The only might time happen. Roman numerals ever ever
3: come into anything is for the Super Bowl. I can that's imagine.
1: It. I can imagine an episode of MacGyver or something where he gets out of a bad situation by knowing Roman numerals, like an escape room. So, yeah,
2: something okay. like that. In a cursive. If you have an extensive autograph collection, but you don't remember where each one came from.
3: Knowing cursive would be of value. That's not a narrow use case whatsoever.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Reading old timey letters when you're doing that, you know? Yeah, re- like, reading cursive. You more
0: important than being able to write cursive. You
1: can't work for Ken Burns if you can't read cursive. There you go. That's an entire job
3: opportunity. You shot. guys are really widening these use cases over here. <laughs> So
1: to get to something more relevant, you were you were going to ask like what what did you miss right. in the last so, couple of apropos? Of nothing. So and of course, I, the real answer I, I, is virtually nothing. I I I V.
2: Mm-hmm. You've apparently had other people from around them in to join you for this kind of nonsense. Can you give me highlights, uh, guests, and big moments from each?
0: So the first one we did with you was uh, September 2017. And it was not in response to popular demand. It was in response to... It was despite popular a you know, couple demand of people, to stop doing things like this. A couple of the listeners saying, hey, I'd listen to that if you guys went into the studio and just talked about stuff that wasn't investing. I'd listen to that. And, of course, those poor people that was just in a vacuum. Careful like, what you wish for. Yeah, it's like yeah. In theory, I'd listen to that, and then we did the first one, and it was like, oh god. I,
2: I, I, I. Right. Which led me to believe that there weren't any more. We right. figured because I was there.
1: What we need to do is tweak this, not have Roger, and see if the format itself has legs. Right.
2: So is it the guest or is it the format?
0: Fast forward three months. It's December 2017. Robert Brokamp. Oh, Barker's on to number two. Um, Robert Brocamp in the studio and. Brokamp, who is a huge fan of holiday music, uh, so it was the holiday edition, we talked holiday music, holiday TV specials. Um, uh, the, one of the highlights for me was Brokamp talking about a uh, potential career path that he was on. which was uh, Brokamp, retirement expert at The Motley Fool, one of the all-time great Motley Fool people, uh, was at one time on a path to become Father Robert Brokamp. And uh, so that was That was, yeah, all that was good stuff. Um, and then a few months after that. He, he has kids. He has kids. You yeah, that, that was right? part of
1: the story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, that, not specifically, but.
0: Oh, so not like a dad? It, no, you a know. priest. Okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> Jewish. <laughs> you know what? I, you know, that's fair. Okay. That's fair. Um, a couple months after that, uh, Matt Greer was in studio and we talked Winter Olympics. It was a Winter Olymp- Olympic themed episode. Um, What's everyone's favorite event? Well, so one of the things we talked about was events at the Winter Olympics that no longer exist, but did at one time. My personal favorite was skijoring, or skioring, depending on how you pronounce it, which was back in the 1920s. This was a Winter Olympic sport that involved uh, basically being dragged by horses. You're on skis, and you're it's, it's sort of like water skiing, but you're snow skiing behind a horse, which sounds unbelievably dangerous and is probably why they stopped doing it. And having said that, with the safety equipment we have right now, I would be all-in on the 2022 Winter Olympics if, if ski oaring was part of that. Um, and also, uh, Barker got to share his uh, his attendance at the greatest moment in American sports. Yes. Uh, I I do believe in miracles.
1: So, and then we did another holiday one uh, recently with Bill Mann. With honor,
2: yeah. I I didn't know that he had a strong holiday connection. I I knew Bro's because he does the annual CD. It used to be a CD. I guess it's probably something...
0: It's a Spotify list now. No,
1: I think Bill Mann's connection was more on the drinking uh, side of things than than the holiday specifics. Is he a big nogger? Yeah. Uh, So, uh, apropos of holiday topics. Um, something that we had talked about. Actually, I'll loop this into something we had talked about in a moment. But one of the classic holiday debates, for some reason, is whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and we've covered that. Mm -hmm. But I recently saw a list of the best sports movies, and I think we've talked about that as well. But included on this list was The Big Lebowski. And my question to you is, are you willing to allow The Big Lebowski to be included in a list of sports movies? And if you are not, how does that impact your evaluation of Die Hard as a Christmas movie?
0: Well, OK. So, let's, let's deal with The Big Lebowski first. Um, no. You're saying, no, not a sports movie? Not a sports movie.
2: First of all, I don't know why we need to label things. Why can't we all just get along? Well, you that just, said, you just got done talking about how you're Jewish, right? So. Which I talk about nonstop. <laughs> so that being said, it's
1: that based also a plays a big role in the Big Lebowski. Who is Jewish and who's not?
2: In a bowling alley, but it, it's not to the extent of Kingpin, where that is at the heart of of the movie,
3: and it's. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it it surprised me to be included in such a list, and and I I reject its inclusion. But I I think it does uh, beg the question of why there there's as much bowling in that movie as there is Christmas in in Die Hard.
2: Well, it's like saying that Diner is a movie movie for foodies. Um, Do people say that? (laughs) Well, I think it's. This is a thing
1: you're going to go write somewhere now, so that you can say people
2: say on my foodie blog.
0: (laughs) I could see making the case that if you're making up a list of great movies about food, maybe not about food, great movies that involve food (laughs) that center around food, (laughs) because
1: that's so rare that food appears in in a movie.
0: (laughs) It's not my strong suit. Julia.
1: and so, the big night. But but let me sure. connect this to another topic, which is my thoughts. that It would be interesting to <laughs> Thank see...
0: Thank God we're finally getting to your thoughts.
1: see the Coen brothers, if you had to throw a movie to them that you were going to bankroll, and you said to the Coen brothers, who did The Big Lebowski, and it's one of their sort of oddball comedy movies, and they do these very dark, very violent movies, uh, and then very Light, you know, weird comedies uh, like The Big Lebowski or like Raising Arizona, uh, and then the the violent stuff like uh, Miller's Crossing and No Place for Old Men and No Country for Old Men. and And I was thinking, well, what movie would you put in front of them and say, I don't care which direction you go, but I'm interested in your remaking this movie, and and I will accept the box office of either take. So I'm
2: going to say. The most fun we could have is simply flipping their movies. So, you know, I'm looking at a list here. Lady Killers. What if it's this dark, horribly bloody, horribly violent? Ratchet up the suspense. Right. Um, I, I think that raising Arizona if that if that
1: goes dark it could be very dark i mean right. kidnap when you look back are like oh isn't it funny when kidnapping goes kind of wrong and wacky and it's like wait a second <laughs> this is there's a lot of potential darkness in this movie
0: well and if you think about it they escaped made escaped
1: prisoners kidnapping a baby
0: they made uh, two movies that centered around kidnapping Many. one yeah. of them was very dark and one of them was hilarious raising arizona was hilarious and fargo very dark and a great yeah. movie. Um, I, I I once heard a very good case laid out for the types of movies that should be remade, and it was essentially movies that have a great premise, but the execution just doesn't work. And so, with that in mind, I'm not going to have them flip their movies. There was a movie about 25 years ago uh, with Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer called Wolf, and I would say the opening. 30 to 40 minutes of it is really great and works really well. And Jack Nicholson is this sort of put upon book editor who ends up being bitten by a wolf in the middle of the night and starts to take on the qualities of the wolf. And the second half of the movie just sort of falls apart and it's literally poorly Jack, done. Yeah, It's not well done. And so something taking Not those same actors necessarily, but taking that premise and that script and handing it to the Coen Brothers, they could do something wonderfully dark with that.
1: But now I'm going to bring this back to a topic that we have gone on ad nauseum about: Bad Santa
2: as a dark movie, not funny, not okay. Sorry,
1: but. Work with me here because we've talked about this. You're ready for this. You may not be, and I'm now pointing at Roger, who is not nearly as knowledgeable about the t- topic I'm about to bring up, which is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And Still if you, Jewish. If you handed that over to the Cohen Brothers and say, "I really don't know where you're going to go. You could go dark, or you can go very light." How do you feel about How do you feel about bankrolling that? I'm far more interested in the.
2: There is some stuff
1: in that movie that there's potential it's... for both. Yukon Cornelius, like first of all, the Big Lebowski himself could be Yukon Cornelius. I mean, he he could do that. Th- that's a misfit many, one, right? Yeah, many Holy many crap, that could be terrifying, <laughs> <laughs> right? Or it could be very funny. Like I don't think that that Rudolph really developed the comic potential that lies there with Yukon. Uh, and others. And I, I know this is something about which you've probably
0: given a lot of thought. Well, not necessarily the Corn Brothers, but I have said before that I believe a an origin story of young Yukon Cornelius, live action, gritty, lot of action, uh, violence. Uh, yeah, and then I, I would watch
2: the hell and, out of that show. <laughs> and then, in ten years, people would would be discussing, is that movie
1: a Christmas movie? I
0: don't think they would. Like, they might.
1: <laughs> they would have to come back to Christmas. I mean, he's he's he visits Christmas Town, doesn't he?
0: I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He eventually gets
2: there. Well, in the origin story, you don't have to go all the way up to to present. Uh, Do then, you not watch movies?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so does that bring you up to speed on the uh, the other apropos of nothing's?
2: Uh, who was your favorite? Oh, well, I'm here. So uh, <laughs>
0: yeah I don't, th- I don't think we <laughs> ranking colleagues <laughs> I don't think we want to do that they' they're each uni- who's my favorite Dan Dan's my favorite because <laughs> Dan puts up with these.
2: I, I do ask that in interviews um, people come in as, as job candidates and I'll often be one of the cleanup people just because I don't have any real purpose for interviewing them but I like that scenario, so I'll often ask people who their favorite interview has been so far. And the ones who are really uncomfortable with that question have no business working here. Is my experience. So, and some people would be like, "Yeah, I really like Bill."
1: So if you go to jobs.fool.com, com, Roger's <laughs> giving you some advice on how to get your foot in the door.
0: No, I could see that because you like you want. I don't know. You want people to. Come strong to the hoop. Like have an opinion. Have a take. Or at least be funny. At least. Um, Speaking of movies, uh, we've all seen Avengers Endgame. Dan, you've seen Avengers Endgame, right? I don't. I don't want. Yes, I have. Okay. So 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 this is the spoiler part. This is the, you know, for those who. Speaking of narrow slicing, for those people who listen to Market Foolery and are also huge fans of Marvel films, but have not yet seen Endgame, um, spoiler comic. So in the Marvel universe, Stark Industries is a publicly traded company. And this comes up in the first Iron Man movie when he comes back, he's out of the desert, he's rescued, and he gives a press conference and says, we're no longer going to be selling weapons, we're shutting down the weapons division, and then cut to a clip of Jim Cramer on Mad Money just saying, wow, sell this stock. Now, after Endgame, he's dead. What happens to the stock the next time there's trading? I mean, that thing drops 30%, 40
2: Well. So I, I haven't seen all the Marvel movies I've I've kind of come and gone, um, but my take um, I I think succession planning is is what it's all about when it comes to a, a CEO's departure. So I think that Stark Industries is going to be fine as as long as they have that nice Obadiah character around <laughs> to uh, to keep things on the straight and narrow. No.
0: no.
1: No. No, I'm not not sure that uh, Tony Stark, as portrayed in the movies, is a big planner. He's more of a seat-of-his-pants kind of guy.
0: Yes. He's also the brains behind all of their tech. So, Pepper Potts was the CEO at some point. Maybe she still is the CEO. The management of the company is still intact. It's who's coming up with the stuff? Who's coming up with the amazing, groundbreaking technology? Who's coming up with the next generation of clean energy? All this time, it's been Tony Stark. He's dead now. You can't succession plan for that. So I'm thinking that stock is just taking a huge hit.
1: Yeah. In the short term, it probably takes a big hit. But let me make the uh, devil's advocate argument here. And that is that he wasn't really applying himself very much to uh, the company stock and the, the capital allocation there. As we know, he was willing to cut out their defense contracting work. Uh, so he was taking a huge chunk of revenue out of the company, we know that he can do things like figure out time travel almost by accident. Like, ah, I don't want to figure out time travel, because if I do, then you're messing with the universe. And like, oh, but it occurred to me, and now I've done it. And so and have know.
2: this nice lake house and
1: right. the kid. I mean, It just seems like he was not applying himself fully to the expansion of the company's possibilities. Do you possibilities.
2: think he was holding
1: them back? I think he was, uh, Occupied with more important things, occasionally saving the world and/or universe, and after that, hanging with his kid, both of which are more important than you know in his mind than than maximizing the value of the company. So, I'm not so sure that he he's holding it back. Is that he he might have been preventing the company from pursuing all of the money that they could otherwise have made, and like the time travel. I got to believe that you could make a lot of money for your company just using time travel. I, I think if some... if you really were cared about the shareholders that is instead of the universe you, you I mean that stock would be worth a ton.
2: I think it comes down to IP. Because I'm I'm you know that he's had a ton of brilliant ideas. What did he do with those? Did he put them in a filing cabinet in in his sock drawer? or are they on the mainframe of the company's computers that can be accessed by somebody and they can develop all these other ideas. So until we know that I'm I'm hold.
0: Yeah, I I'm I hate to say this but I'm I'm starting to side with Bill's argument that yes, first time for everything. Short term the stock takes a hit, mm-hmm. but they just put that time travel technology to use and then all of a sudden it's the next earnings report and it's like, "Oh, by the way, um, we're buying back a hundred billion dollars worth of stock with this pile of cash that we just happen to have, that we acquired through time travel.
1: Yeah, or 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 through an infinity gauntlet or something. Something like that. Like I, so question the infinity gauntlet. You can snap your fingers and do pretty much everything with it. You take out half of all all life. Why not include in that half the people who are most likely to come and kill you later? Uh, because, because we find lazy. out that it could be targeted. You, it's not random who the half people are. Because uh, at the end of the movie, there's like, I know who to
0: get rid of those bad guys, and and you do it. You know why? And I'll bring this back to the Con brothers in Miller's Crossing. You know what it comes down to? Ethics. 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 (laughs) Say what you want about Thanos. He's got ethics. And he made the promise to Doctor Strange, like, okay, I won't kill Tony Stark. In exchange, you give me the stone, I'll spare Tony Stark's life. Say what you want about Thanos. He's got ethics. He's got ethics. Can we talk summer jobs for a second? Uh, Yeah, what are you doing? Got a
1: paper wrap this summer. I'm gonna be <laughs> opening up the lemonade
0: stand. Thinking about it, did you have an iconic? Maybe not even iconic. Did you? Did you have a memorable summer job when you were a kid? Uh, so it wasn't
2: really a kid, but uh, between the summer of my junior and senior year in high school, I'd, I'd say you were a kid. Okay, I was in the cast of an off-Broadway revival of Fiddler on the
1: Roof. You were. We don't know what to do with this yet.
2: <laughs> no, uh, I, I worked as <laughs> an usher in a movie theater and I was a landscaper one summer. Okay. Uh, and, and
1: passed up the fiddler on the roof. Uh, it seemed offer like a better opportunity <laughs> to
2: be outdoors and and in the movie theaters. I, I was I was really curious how long I could I could keep the straight face on that.
1: Here's here I believe you have something to, to say about this because you you keep bringing up this topic of summer jobs. So you. Uh, I mean, in Maine, basically, you're out catching lobster every day. Um, so some people were, not me. Well, you know, 99% of the population. That's uh, Unless I'm wrong about when lobster season is, don't let me make some mistakes about that in front of a true Mainer. Or manist, or whatever the word is for you people. <laughs> the proper term is maniac. Uh, can we
0: go back to Roger being an usher? Because I, I want to, I'm... I was. I was a head usher. You were the head usher. I was a head usher at the, uh, <laughs> at the AMC
2: theaters in Rockville, uh, brand new theater.
1: Assistant uh, to the head
2: usher. <laughs> head usher, and I got the biggest bow tie. I think the biggest polyester bow tie.
0: So you walk in the door, they hire you, they promote you right off the bat to head
2: usher. I was about the most mature person in. in to walk in the door there, okay. um, as a I was old, as a junior in high school, um, I didn't drool during the interview, um,
1: and more yeah. interviewing tips from <laughs> Roger Friedman. <laughs> anyone
0: anyone <laughs> looking to come to my blog?
1: <laughs>
0: anyone looking to go to the Motley Fool job site? Uh, so just getting
2: that weird. was actually a fun summer because I wake up around five in the morning, go do landscaping in the hot DC sun. Uh, you know, putting down sod and planting bushes, go home, shower, and just mud would pour off of me, and then put on my my tuxedo and head to the theater. And I I was a projectionist as well as part of the... Really? Uh Uh-huh. So I could thread the movies. One night, uh, a clear memory, I put down a blanket in the aisle after the theater was closed, threaded Field of Dreams, sports movies, and just laid there and watched the movie on my giant screen by myself.
0: That's pretty sweet. Well done. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right. Question about Field of Dreams. Uh, not a Christmas movie. Not a Christmas. Not movie. a
0: Christmas movie. Not a sports movie. My it.
1: Oh, <laughs> My son, big baseball fan, and here's my question: At what age do you recommend somebody try try out Field of Dreams? Because I think there's definitely an age that's way too young to appreciate it. And, and I don't know what the age would be. I mean, it, when it came out, I was 25 or something like that. And, and um, Dan, what do you old think? Old enough to already have plenty of regrets about the way I had lived my life. So, I could, I could you know... <laughs> well, that, that
3: actually that ties in directly to what I was going to say. I was going to say, after their first breakup. Because they're not going to have the emotional depth to really get Field of Dreams until they've gone through a little bit of emotional trauma.
0: Okay, uh, Wow. Well, that's I'm, deeper than apropos yeah, of nothing He's um, ready
3: to entertain. Well, that's the last time we go to Dan. <laughs> I'm, I'm, drinking, I'm drinking whiskey over here so I'm getting a little philosophical. That's, yeah, I, that, that staggered me a little. Bit. You know, well, yeah, I, well
1: they, they, it, I mean the breakup could be like a lost parent though You no, could it. Yes, so yeah, yeah the, I'd
3: say I'd say something something that allows them to really well feel a little bit of emotional trauma. Maybe not like horrible emotional trauma or something, but a loss of a grandparent, a breakup, a loss of a pet, something like that. So, so Dan, if I
2: say, Hey Dad, you, you wanna have a catch? Do
3: you well up then? I don't well up. Okay. You're not a weller? <laughs> no,
0: not really. Okay. So did, did your son enjoy it?
1: I have not I have not pushed it. Like like I, I've said, you know, you need to watch the natural, you've seen the natural because I don't think you need uh I mean having some life experiences will give you different experience watching that movie. But I, I think Field of Dreams is not entirely accessible to everyone, no matter what age they see it. But uh, there's definitely an age that's too young to appreciate it. And then you're just like, this is a weird
0: movie. Right. Why, this, this... why is
1: my crazy dad recommending I watch this? Yeah, It's about ghosts. and Or something. I don't even yeah. know.
0: Yeah, I definitely think there's a A level of knowledge about baseball in America that you need to have, um, that is more required for Field of Dreams than the natural. The natural is um, a really good story that just—it's a self-contained baseball movie. Yeah. Whereas it's like, ah, you know, it helps if you know a little something about Joe Jackson. It helps if you, you know.
1: I, sort of I mean, ultimately, they're uh, largely about the same thing. Which uh, they come down to the final scene having a catch with your dad, which uh, is what the both movies build up to.
0: Which is what baseball is about. Yeah, he's old enough. He's totally old enough. You yeah, can, yeah. All right, make that
2: happen. I, I, th- I think uh, I think we need listener input on this one. Uh, at some point, you were experiences taking children to feel the Dreams.
1: You were saying something when I interrupted about Field of Dreams. It was about summer jobs. You wanted to talk about your summer job, your favorite summer job. Uh, many jobs, on the lobster right? boat. On uh, the lobster <laughs> boat.
0: <laughs> no, never worked on a lobster. You boat. You weren't allowed. How's that possible? I, I, I <laughs> 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 because geography. I, I grew up two hours it? from the coast.
1: Okay, so you were running a bed and breakfast. I assume <laughs> that being the other job only in, in the Maine. fall,
0: because that's when
3: people come to watch oh, the foliage. I see, Dan. So, my dad and I didn't play a ton of catch with one another, but we did do this game where we would throw a Frisbee to one another across the street from each other at our house. (laughs) And the idea was to wait for cars to come and buzz the windshield with the Frisbee, see how close you could get to the car car's windshield without h- actually hitting the car. Who came up with this game? My dad. And the best part of it... <laughs> Some is, insurance companies. <laughs> the best part of it is when people would get mad and because we hit their car with a Frisbee. Uh, they wouldn't yell at me, because I was a child. They would yell at my father, who was an adult. And he would just tell them to go kick rocks, so generally.
2: You, you had free reign to just plunk cars. Pretty much. Nice.
3: Yeah. But, I mean, again,
0: it's a Frisbee, so it didn't really do any damage. I'm just going to go ahead and... Pre-announced that apropos of nothing six is going to feature Dan's father. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, good, good luck. Good luck getting his uh, his royalty fees
0: through. <laughs> um, apropos so no, here, of
1: nothing VI. People VI, never exactly. thought that would happen.
0: Uh, no, here are my two things with with summer jobs. Uh, I'm a a big fan of them in terms of life experiences, particularly uh, the whole idea of having a job that. Um, Kicks you in the butt a little bit, and so I mean, I, I never—I was about to say I've never done landscaping. That's not true. I—I I had a, a one summer where I was working on the grounds crew uh, at the local college, and so a, a chunk yeah. of that was landscaping. Yeah, it's, you
2: carry heavy stuff. you yeah. get muddy. you're yeah. in the hot sun.
0: All that sort of thing, and it's the sort of thing that uh, you know. Then when you're in school and you're thinking, ah, I really don't want to study for this test, and it's like, although <laughs> not having a job where I, you know. Oh yeah! If I actually study and do well, then I have more choices in terms of a career yeah. path. Um, the other thing, and this is uh, this is something that isn't really useful now with my children. I think someday if I have grandchildren, it might be useful. But one summer, my job uh, was baling hay, and that is a really I think that is a really solid uh, grandpa job. Just if you want to get crotchety, you know, when I was your age. I was bailing hay all summer long. Which is, you know, not <laughs> not a fabulous job. Do you bring that one out? No, no, I don't really I mean my kids know that I did that, but it's 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 not it's never brought up in a way like An hour is your you'll, be, you'll be bailing hay if yeah. I have anything to <laughs> say about it. Exactly. How long did you bail? Uh it was about two months. Okay. And I showed up the first day. At the farm, and I biked to the farm. So and it was hot out. I mean, hot for Maine, but you know, so not fifties. It, yeah, it was in the fifties. It was not DC hot, but it was it was hot enough. Uh, it was about eight miles, eight or ten miles. So I bike, and I just thought, well, I'm going to be outside in the sun all day. I'll just, you know, I don't need to bring a change of clothes. I'll just wear my bike shorts that I'm wearing, and you know, and I'll be in my sneakers. And that was a terrible, terrible mistake, because day one was walking around a farm, picking up large bales of hay and throwing them up into a truck, and you can't really just do it all in one motion. You have to essentially gather the bale of hay. You've got the gloves. I had the gloves. I wasn't that stupid. Did I was only having... The tongs? I'll, I'll bet no, Dan but... could
2: do it in one motion.
0: <laughs> Dan probably could do it in one motion. Um, but. Uh, I grab them and then you you basically balance it against your legs, and so by the end of the day it was as though someone had taken a switchblade and just like given me a thousand cuts on my legs. And I then the next day I showed up with a backpack so I could change into jeans and work boots. Did you
1: find that working with hay all that summer ruined hay for you for the rest of your life, and you just could never really eat it again or anything?
2: Enjoy it to the same extent. Is
1: that why you don't eat crustaceans, including lobsters? (laughs) Because you don't. I mean, this is is one of the things that...
0: I have noticed, now that you mention it, I've noticed his discomfort around hay. Yeah. Well, I've said many times, and it's because it's true, uh, I didn't leave Maine voluntarily. The tourism board found out I don't eat lobster, and they said, you have to go and I, rules argue, are rules who can argue with that yeah. i mean that's, that's and you know, he never worked on you, the you, boat
1: you yep. knew that going in yeah
0: and uh, yeah it was and, just like well i guess i'll have to leave at some point cuz yeah. i don't eat lobster so
2: tangentially yeah. any job that you're going to not request or require your kids to do but so for example i i think my kids at some point should wait tables I think that's a great life lesson and it teaches you appreciation for many things. And I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, Did you? No. Not necessarily the kind that I want them to have, but. um,
1: Wait. Wait. (laughs) Has, Has waiting tables changed in the 15 to 20
0: years since you were doing it?
2: You're thinking that that might lead them to do the things that I did when I was waiting tables?
0: What were you doing when you were waiting tables? Your customers aren't listening. So.
2: No, no. But neither it,
0: are your children.
2: It was. It, it was not the in the restaurant activities. Uh, there's a certain culture of. Um, we can just edit this part out. No, I don't think we are.
1: I think <laughs> we, got, we got to explore this. Did you guys wait tables? Because here's here's the thing that I'm concerned about. My daughter is going to be. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> wow, that kind of noise when I mention my daughter will get you imprisoned in many states. In this and. I don't think Great I've met country. your daughter,
2: so that's, that's.
1: Yeah. No. So she's going to be, well, it's at like a bookstore. So it's more yeah, like, a, like right. a barista or whatever, yeah, like no, bringing people totally their, their pastry and their, their latte.
0: I completely agree with you that it is invaluable to wait on the public. Mm-hmm. I think uh, just in terms of, like, to go back to your original question, yeah, I want my kids to have at least one summer. Where they are waiting on the public, whether it's a bookstore, a coffee shop, a restaurant—like just you know a gap—I think there are still gaps around. I'm not positive, but anything where they're just dealing directly with the public, because I think that's that's just a great lesson. And particularly at a restaurant, here's the other thing: once you work at a restaurant for the rest of your life, when you go to restaurants, you know. What's happening? You know if there's a problem in the kitchen, and you know if it's just oh the person who's waiting on me is terrible. You absolutely know the difference, and you tip accordingly. Yep. Uh, so the dozens of listeners weighed in with a couple of suggested topics because we mentioned this the other day, and you know as as we've talked about before, Bill, the data just proves we have the best listeners.
1: We can't share that data.
0: I mean it's proprietary. If anybody else
1: got their hands on that data.
0: Oh, believe hmm. me, Bloomberg would love to get their hands on the data. Um, Tobin Anthony suggested the Mount Rushmore of liquor brands. We've talked about different Mount Rushmores. I I I I gotta say, I looked at this and I thought, ooh, this is this could get heated. And that's why I want to talk about (laughs) this. Because this could get a little contentious. So
2: I, I I think it's important that we set parameters. Uh, and and this is always the discussion around Mount Rushmore. Oh, I get it. I get it. When
0: we're talking is about the mo- no, uh, no. I just, is
2: it most influential?
0: I just love that you want to set parameters around it's, our discussion of the Mount Rushmore of liquor brands. But when you're waiting tables, it's no holds barred. Anything goes. I'm just saying that the, the restaurant industry might have a bit
2: of a drug consumption issue.
1: Okay. Today, not in your day, of right? Course. In my
2: day, in your day, from what I hear. Because I worked in the restaurant industry, I can talk to waiters now. <laughs> there you go. I speak their language. So, where do you want to go with this?
0: What parameters do you want to set?
2: So, I, I'm, if we were looking at Mount Rushmore's, is it the one that is simply the best of each major brand? Is it the one that, that opened it up as, as a more popular and widespread beverage? Because, like, if you look at rums, Bacardi's the best known. I don't think it's very good. But it's probably influential in making making rum
0: commonplace. So I think the inclusion of the word brand, uh, that to me makes it more. Uh, I'm not saying completely in the direction of well, let's just go with what's the most popular or what's the best known. But I think that's a bigger factor than simply quality. So for example, when I was looking at this, I thought to myself, you know, I th- I think on the short list for Mount Rushmore. Is Jack Daniels. It is not the best whiskey in America, but it's a pretty iconic brand. Um, it's it's good whiskey. Um, it's unlike the tequila that you're drinking. Uh, plenty of people, myself included, drink Jack Daniels straight. It's not one of those like oh, I gotta I gotta mix this with something. So, so I I would factor in the brand a little bit more than maybe you would
1: i I'm, I might be taking this in a different direction, but I'm imagining the actual Mount Rushmore and mm-hmm. the the faces of these people being carved in and what would make the best Mount Rushmore of carved you know, carved faces. Jack Daniels, of it, course. It would be
2: carved of glass, right? What's that? Of glass.
1: I think we we got to stick with the rock, though. Yeah, we got to stick with the rock. What we're doing is we're sanding down the actual Mount Rushmore so that we have something to work with. And like underneath Jefferson, you know, now you're going to see you now you're going to see Jack Daniels, probably Captain Morgan, because that's I mean you're what you're trying to do really more than anything is entertain the American public with Mount Rushmore. As I as I understand the question, don't you have so, to
0: throw a vodka in there too? Though I mean, vodka's a
1: like Smirnoff. Vodka. There's nothing there. I I think you have to go for the visuals on this one.
0: So then it's well, if we're I mean that kind of limits it. So then it's just okay. Well, what has human faces on it? Captain Morgan, Jack Daniels, Johnny Walker, and and Jemima. Uh, no, we're talking liquor here. <laughs> uh, the, uh, Aunt uh, Jemima is about as obviously drinkable as Obviously, if you're doing them the Mount others. Rushmore
1: of pancakes and pancake syrups, then Aunt Jemima would be one of the four faces you would go
0: with. Along uh, with Mrs. Mrs. Yes, Butterworth.
2: Sure. So, if I'm thinking of, of the Mount Rushmore of presidents, which I think exists, I don't think you're it's thinking of who is most topic. telegenic or who is the most recognizable from uh, the foot of a mountain. So, I think your argument is ridiculous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, so, I should hope my argument is ridiculous. So,
2: I think the presidents represent, chosen to be represented in Memorial in South Dakota or wherever they keep that, they're pretty good presidents. And, and they're there not because they are distinguished looking or distinguishable, but rather because they are memorable and of high quality.
1: Nevertheless, you have to carve them into the mountain. And if you're going to argue for Smirnoff, what are you going to carve? That's my question. Nobody's coming to your Mount Rushmore because your your depiction of, Mount, of Smirnoff is ridiculous.
2: People are traveling to the middle of nowhere for the the guy with the, the his hand on his knee, going, Arr, Captain Morgan." Yeah.
1: this is America. Yes, they are. Okay, that's a sad point,
0: but you're probably right. Yeah, and then I just throw in the uh, the beef eater gin guy. Because oh, that's the quality.
1: Not quality? really American, but I like the visual.
0: No, no I mean, Kids funny. these days,
1: they don't know who Mr. Beefeater is.
0: I don't think it's Mr. Beefeater, <laughs> but I could be wrong. He's a generic beefeater. Um, Mike from Ohio, and this is a three parter, and it's basically thrown out to the three of us. And you know what? We're going to go through this, but then Dan is going to have to, like, essentially uh, I, let me put it this way. I'm curious what Dan thinks, because this is like three. Competition questions among the three of us: Who wins a bar fight? Who wins a three-way duel a la Reservoir Dogs style? And uh, who wins a poker game? I I'll say right now, in terms of who wins a poker game, not me. It's probably Roger if the three of us are playing poker, but it's definitely not me. If it's not me, then something has gone wrong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to
1: fight you on that one. I mean, I have beaten you in poker, of right, course. Right, Or something went wrong. Yeah,
0: <laughs> But yeah, all the, like, if, we're,
1: if we're playing, given that Roger plays a lot of poker, and I just show up and take his money some of the time, <laughs> it would be unfair to say that I would be the one winning that. Go enjoy you your know. Captain
0: Morgan. <laughs> I mean, Roger enjoys poker to the point that when the three of us and Brian Richards went to Atlantic City for the night, we started off playing blackjack, and then at some point, Roger just left the blackjack table and went to another floor to play poker. Well, uh, and the three of us were playing blackjack, and you. Uh, two, two ma- three main reasons for that. One, you enjoy it more, and you're well, good bl- at it.
2: Blackjack is is silly. If there's a card <laughs> that tells you what you're supposed to do in every scenario, then that's not really the game for me. Two, I enjoy playing poker. Uh, I, I, I like the the idea of reading other people and trying to give them misreads on what you're doing, and I think it's a multi-level game. And three, we had spent a lot of time together at that point,
0: so I probably needed my space. You needed a break, and that makes sense. It's a long drive. Um, Although, if I recall correctly, and I'm quite certain that I am recalling correctly, when I came up to check on you about an hour, hour and a half into your poker game, not only were you not doing well, one of the people at the table who was doing well was a guy wearing a birthday hat. And by a birthday hat, I mean a child's, like a four year old child's birthday hat, old school, with the plastic, you know, the rubber band around the chin.
2: He also was well over 80.
0: He wasn't that old, but no, he was. No, I,
2: I think there's a decent chance he was over 80. Wow. How embarrassing for you. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was not a. Um, Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> so, so Roger wins the poker. Um, I'm not sure who wins the bar fight or the three way duel. Um, have either of you ever shot a gun before? Because if not, I'm just going to go ahead and claim that. Because you're who, from Maine, who has shot a gun uh, before? Uh, uh, I'm I'm winning that duel. I'm handier. Probably with the gun than the two of you. I'm pretty good at skeet shooting.
1: Uh, yeah, I've sh- I've shot skeet and trap. I, and I don't know if
0: that means anything.
1: Handguns and um, ooh, handguns. Oh. Well, w- let's give it to Bill. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll <don't> shoot us. <laughs> Not really at anybody. Yeah, oh, I mean, so it's weak. I mean, not really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's not like Dan's father was around. It was it's, like it's
1: not like you. It's not like just you might have heard. It wasn't anything <laughs> like that. Now, I think in the bar fight, um, I got to go by weight. I, I got to go well, by I,
2: weight I, and age. I, think I the mean, the important th- question is: Has anyone been in a fight with in a bar? Well, sure. I mean, I've been on in fights on soccer fields. Uh but those you generally get pulled apart pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean yeah. there's
1: a lot of kicking. It's a different kind of fight. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. So barf. You're have not you allowed used... to use your hands in a soccer fight. <laughs> you just headbutt each other. Uh have you been in a bar fight? Uh
1: no. I, I came a little bit close once, but uh oh, that's a leg up on me? Yeah, but but uh the guy deserved it.
0: And Chris? I've uh, also come close a couple of times. had one of those friends in college Mm -hmm. who was uh, largely a good guy. Um, He was probably the shortest person in our group. I think he was like 5'5", 5'6". He was a good guy. The only thing with him was, when he had too much to drink, he got mouthy. And he got mouthy with strangers who were bigger than him. So there were a couple of times where it was like, let's get out of here because a fight is about to break out. Yeah, I'd, he's just lipping off to people who right. are a foot taller and a hundred pounds. I think
1: there. I think mostly the question what it um, sheds light on is how how pathetic the fight would be and how uninteresting yeah, it great. would be to find out who the winner is. That having been said, I do think that we can go to Dan and get uh, well, get it, probably what I assume will be his confirmation that he, that he's <laughs> going to he's going to that fun. he's going to be. It'd be a pathetic. I fight do want to point Chris out, Chris the question
2: it. as submitted was. Uh, Bill and Chris and Bill Mann. And I think that Bill Mann would win because you could just punch him a lot and I don't see it really affecting him very much. He's got the reach. And he's got the reach, he's but he could just reach. like He's like
0: Bill Brasky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, let's, let's um, go to the man. And, and let me just preface this before we go to Dan by saying that at one point uh, before Dan Boyd worked at the Motley Fool, he was employed as a bouncer at a bar. So of the four of us, the person who overwhelmingly knows the most about bar fights is Dan.
3: Well, thanks for that, Chris. Uh, I think it's you guys are on the nose for the most part. Uh, I don't really know about the shooting guns one because that's oh, like whatever. That's nothing. Uh, <laughs> but the poker game, I think, clearly goes to Roger. And uh, uh, Chris definitely loses that poker game. He's out first yeah. out of the three of that. Uh, I think it might be interesting with Roger and Bill. Uh, and for the bar fight, uh, Chris is taller and heavier. And. Uh, in pretty good shape. I don't know who's in the best shape of the three of you, but I know that Chris does do things like run marathons. Uh, so I think uh, Chris gets uh, gets the nod in the bar fight.
1: He does run marathons, but he's in the hospital at the end of them. Only
0: in the first two, <laughs> not the last one. Um, let's go a little more positive here because uh, Ron Ryman uh, sent in. Uh, a, I thought a, a very fun question, which was. What's the biggest positive surprise you've received when you visited a city? I like this question for a couple of reasons. One, because it's essentially, hey, you go to a city, you've got a set of expectations and the city exceeds them. Also, there's, there's, it's an optimistic question, but there's also a negative side to it. There's a dark side to Ron's question, which I like, which is just like, come on, we've all been there, we've all gone to a city and like, all right, well, I guess I got to go here. It's probably not going to be that good. But, all right, this is, and it turns out better than you expect.
1: Well, I I think it is. It does highlight, I guess, uh, something that I talk about. Would you know? It's all about expectations. Yes. Yeah, and I would say the city that I that comes to mind as being just a great city, great time for my experience that I had. Very, uh, I just hadn't formed many expectations of, and that was Portland, which I thought was uh, which one. Uh, well, of course, Oregon.
0: <laughs> oh, you is mean, there another one? <laughs> yes, there's the city for which Portland, Oregon, was named, and that's Portland, Maine. But go on. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh, well, I suppose that's a city too. Uh, Portland, Portland, Oregon. Great, great town. In my 48 hours experience uh, being there, and of course, you know, it does have some pretty good coffee there. They take their coffee pretty seriously,
0: do they? Yes. Do they take it too seriously?
1: Because I wasn't they're... there long enough to find out whether they're whether they're too serious about okay.
0: it. I just like, ooh, a lot of good coffee here. We like it when people take their coffee seriously. We have we will not abide people who are just snooty about it. Come on, it's coffee. It's the greatest beverage ever invented to, after water. To bring it back to Lebowski, exactly. We will not abide. Roger, what about you? So.
2: For a, a while there, my wife and I would do half marathons as an, kind of a, an excuse to travel. Uh, so we would head down to Miami for the Miami half marathon. We'd fly in on Wednesday, drink and eat too much for Thursday and Friday, <laughs> run obviously the best times of our life and in, in the half marathon that was available there, and then return home to our kids. Um, we, we did a few of those, and one place we hit was Chattanooga. And um, nothing against Tennessee, but you don't go in with necessarily the idea in mind of what Chattanooga was. So it's a very cute, quaint town, really good food, really nice people. There's a river that, that goes in there um, to the we liked it so much that we uh, contacted a, a real estate agent who would send us listings of, of places that we, might eventually buy and move to, and then we realized that there are good restaurants closer uh, that are more accessible than Chattanooga. But uh, we were very impressed with. with
1: I got to, I got to say that my time in Chattanooga, or not Chattanooga, Tennessee, a few other places, not Chattanooga, but I loved all the time I've been in Tennessee. And Tennessee could use some some brand help, yep. you know, with with northeasterners who I think uh, it's a
3: good state. It's
1: a great state. I I love visiting Tennessee.
3: Uh, Roger, you know you can just go on vacation, right? Like you don't have to go on vacation, then earn your vacation by running thirteen and a half or how many miles? Like, are you sure? Are you sure you're not Catholic? Because that That's seems like an awful lot of guilt to be dragging with you on vacation. Jews are big on guilt. Um, They're
1: it, not taking back seats to Catholics.
3: If, if you go on vacation
2: and have kids, there is some expectation. That's a hell of
1: a vacation, first of all.
2: There is an expectation that they go with you. Uh, it's, it's kind of an excuse for everyone to get you know, the, the in-laws babysitting help and, and the kids staying home. Uh-huh. If if you're going uh, to okay, do so that. that's
3: that's very interesting. Uh, but you know, you could just say you're running the half marathon. <laughs> you don't have uh, to go through nice, with it. Nice, but like, like oh, kids, we're going to go to Chattanooga to run a half marathon. Uh, you guys aren't interested in either Chattanooga or half marathons, mm-hmm. so enjoy your grandparents for a weekend, and then you just go and go. You right. don't run the. To half be marathon. fair,
2: I don't end up in the hospital after running.
3: Go go to Tennessee after with running a half marathon, with not a kids. full marathon. I've done a the half full one, also not in. In the hospital,
1: <laughs> go to go to Tennessee with the kids. Been to
3: Pigeon Forge? Uh, are you talking about Dollywood? Yeah, yeah. I haven't I've been, been to, there.
1: I have not been to Dollywood itself, but I've I been went to Pigeon <laughs> Forge without going to Dollywood. I
3: went to Dollywood on a band trip in high school, and it it exists. <laughs> Did you have a good time? Uh, it's a place that I visited. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I was I, I was probably like 6, 6, sixteen. So I don't think I
0: was capable of having a good time in those years. So, uh, but I went there.
3: Yeah,
1: you got something.
0: I, I, I have a city, but but first, it, this has come up a few times, uh, and by this I mean uh, religion. So uh, let me let's let me. I'm just going to lean into this uh, Catholic Jewish thing. Um, so. I had a friend in grad school, uh, Carl Schwartz, who uh, was Jewish, and, um, and one time we got into a conversation, and I'm, uh, I'm curious your thoughts on this, Roger, but we basically we got into a conversation about um, uh, how religions uh, treat a death in the family. And this came up because uh, his fiance's... I
1: love how Rogers just looking at his phone right now. You're going yeah. going deeper and going heavier, deep. and not, not only apropos of nothing, but any market foolery that I've ever been on is. And Rogers just looking at some text from his kid or whatever it is. Text like, from my wife, trying to figure out what
2: time I'm leaving work because got to get the kid to, to the district district, uh, district soccer match tonight. Yeah, okay. all right. And, and then suddenly Chris is talking about death and family. He's for, talking
1: for about. Me. Religion and death, yeah, right. and a comparison of religions, and uh, you got to be ready. I say you got to you got to have at least fifty percent of your brain cells focused on on the lead up to this.
0: Let him send the text, and then text it, is um, sent. Um, uh, and, 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 and let me I'm, just refill <laughs> my. Yeah.
1: Also, you shouldn't shouldn't try to tackle this question without being properly lubricated.
0: Yeah. Or and, and, and because we're talking religion and death, then you know maybe cancel the invitation to Dan's father for apropos of nothing sick. So, no, it it basically just came down to this, because um, uh, he was telling me about the the process of of sitting Shiva Mm. and opening up your home for three days for people to come pay their respects for someone in your family who had died. And he explained it all to me, and uh, my reaction was, wow, that really sounds terrible. Like, -hmm. like for you, that sounds really hard. I, I don't know how I'd be able to do that and he said really because i, I like i've seen how you, you Irish catholics do wakes and i don't know how i would do that i like just the idea that you're going to stand not in your home but you know at a funeral home and there's a casket nearby and people are going to come and you're going to do this a couple of do, do you have a, a strong opinion on this so first of all this is fun <laughs> Sorry.
2: Uh, second of all, I don't think you can say that all Jews are excited about sitting shiva, just as all Irish
0: Catholic Catholics are excited about wakes. I, I think that it funerals... Wasn't, and it wasn't even ex- being excited about right, it. It was sure. just sort of like,
1: if you do one versus if you do the it other. It was
0: me looking at him saying, wow, that looks really hard to do. And he was looking at me saying, your thing looks even worse to me.
2: So, we know going in what our deal is, and it's just what you do, and, I mean, you don't prepare for it, but uh, I, I think that if, if uh, I grew up thinking that if a relative dies, we have a dance marathon, then I would just understand that I'm dancing for two days, and I couldn't imagine it any other way, and you couldn't imagine doing my dance marathon. So, I think traditions are just part of what we know is part of the deal. Uh, sitting shiva, Uh But it's, yeah. These are the things we do. It's, it's like working on a lobster boat.
0: <laughs> uh, my city is Houston. Houston, uh, the, the food scene in Houston was so much better than I thought it was going to be. Have you been to Houston in summer? <laughs> uh, what did I you th- think you were going to be eating oil? It it was in summer when I went to Houston. How how they have an Applebee's and a TDI Fridays.
3: (laughs) No, no, Houston. Houston is a is is a large metropolitan area that has a ton of good stuff. But it's still the Gulf Coast in the summer. I'm just saying the food
0: brutal. I'm just going to. I'm just going to the question of like biggest positive surprise.
1: The food. He's not baling hay in Houston. He's just going to restaurants.
3: And
2: I don't have a foodie blog. Finding a boat to work on. I don't have a foodie (laughs) blog like Roger. (laughs) Where's the lobster? It would be a shrimp boat. Where the lobster
3: pits? It wouldn't be a lobster boat. It would be a shrimp boat. But yeah, I guess I guess he's not baling hay. I guess he's not tarring roofs
0: or something. Oh, that was by the way. That was also part of that summer. Was there was like wow. There was there was two days where. there had been some rain, so the hay had to dry, so we couldn't bale it, and so the, the the guy who we were working for was like, "That's okay, I've got a couple other jobs." And me and another guy had to tar a roof, and it was It was a metal roof. We had to get up there, and uh, with uh, every nail that went in, we had to get some tar and sort of seal it, and then I have to say it w- it wasn't all that bad until about three o'clock in the afternoon. I was on one side of the barn roof. He was on the other side, and the sun was behind me. And he just sort of looked at me and said, That's going to be a problem. And I said, What? And he pointed, and I turned around, and there was this huge black cloud, and a storm was rolling in. And it's like, you know where you don't want to be when a storm rolls in in the summer? on top of a metal roof. So it's interesting. So Chris, you're from as
3: we've as we've talked about, you're from Maine and I believe you're from Waterville, yes. Maine. So you're from the seafood state from a town called Waterville and nothing you have done in the summer has <laughs> anything to do with fishing or boating or anything. Yeah, that's true.
0: That's why I was kicked out. That's I had to go.
3: So I had a question for you guys. Okay.
2: Um, We've we talked about movies and and, uh also death and religion. Sure. But you guys are are very well versed in your movie universes. You've seen all the Marvels, all the Coens. I haven't. Uh, I'm not as much of a movie guy. And so I'm planning I, I often think when I retire, that's when I'll catch up on movies. So you guys are much closer to retirement age than I am. So I was wondering what Do you plan to do with yourselves?
1: First of all, you're so wrong about that. So uh, about being close to retirement age, and I say that because my, you know, the the baseline is to me, uh, you know, whatever, whatever however you grew up is is more or less what you think. My kids can grow up kind of like that, or you know, a little better, a little worse, but but in that range. Uh, And retirement's the same thing. And my dad is uh, turning 87 this year. And uh, is still working. so and and my father-in-law worked until he was 85. So it is actually the case that I, I can honestly say I've, I've literally never thought about it. it. I assume there's a good chance that I won't do that, but it just there's no model that I look at and say, well, my parents did this and and so that's that's a good thing. I like I'm nowhere close to even thinking about retirement yet. And yet, as you point out, I'm much older than you. Thank you.
0: I'm probably just gonna drink whiskey and watch movies. No, I'm kidding. um no i th- I have only recently started to think about how to spend that kind of time. We are fortunate in where we live that we're so close to all of the things that are available in Washington D.C. that are free through the Smithsonian system and others. So um, I feel like there are a lot of opportunities there. That but
1: right I, there, that's four or five days during the year. No, <laughs> but
0: no, but just in terms of like going, you know, going to think of
1: all the days you can spend planning to
0: go to the Smithsonian. That's that. That's another four or five days. Exactly. Um, but also uh, traveling, hitting some more cities, and hopefully being surprised by how good the food is. Getting to Chattanooga, um, are, like what? When you think about the movies that you haven't seen, that are so, you're going to wait <laughs> to watch until you retire. Well, no, 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 not even that. But just so I know, I've had this conversation. Maybe not with you, Barker, but I know I've had this conversation with people at the office, which is essentially like, what is the biggest most iconic movie uh, that you have not seen. Um, And for a very long time, uh, for Mac Greer, the answer was The Godfather. As Mac was fond of saying, I've never seen The Godfather, but I've seen Made in Manhattan twice. He has since remedied that. He's seen The Godfather, Um, so like and made in Manhattan a couple more times. A couple more times. Um, What like what are the most obvious movies that you think? Boy, this is when I retire in Chattanooga. These are the first couple of movies I'm going to watch.
2: I I feel like I've hit the pillars. Uh, Star Wars, bunch of the marvels, a bunch of uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, Rocky, Rocky. Yes, but uh, you know there's Casablanca. Have you seen that? I have. Okay. Um,
0: Citizen Kane.
2: Not in its entirety. Okay. Yeah, you got to watch that. Yeah, I, I hear good things about it. Yeah. That. that uh, Godfather.
0: Battleship
1: Potemkin.
2: No, no on Potemkin. Yes on the first two Godfathers. Okay. Um, it's it's more the quantity of seven or eight star or like eight out of ten movies um, that I have not seen. Like I've never seen Schindler's List. Which seems wrong, because as we pointed out, I'm Jewish, and a good movie. <laughs> you don't have uh, to whisper that. Thank you. It's, but it's, it's something it's the we. 21st do. century. Saving, Saving Private Ryan. I have not seen that. Put that on the list. Yeah, there, there's Shawshank a, which Redemption. Which one would you? I've seen that. Yes.
1: Which one would you see first? Schindler's List or Saving Private Ryan?
0: I don't think there's a wrong answer. No. I think I think either. Yeah, so there are a bunch of. You'd want to space this out.
1: Like you could pull up a list, like the hundred best movies of all time. You know, and Mm -hmm. wade through whichever list you you decided. Oh yeah, okay, I'll I'll take this one, and you would see a lot of great things. But I think if you watched only the best movies of all time for a while, like man, I don't know that that's the sixth best movie of all time. Like, you right. just get jaded quickly. You, you, right. need, so, to, so you need to. You need only do like one every week or two. I, I've heard uh, what was it?
2: big sick. Uh, yeah, I've heard that it's very good. I feel like I'd really enjoy it. I just haven't gotten around to seeing it. It's on my list. I would like to have, and it's not going to be on a hundred best list, but it's a good movie. Yeah, that that good, it would be a good nice, use of US hours.
1: nice, good little movie of the 100 best of the last five years, maybe, on some people's sure. list, sure.
0: So, last year was the 40th anniversary of the horror classic, Halloween. And I remember reading an article about it. have not seen it. Uh, no, I haven't seen it. It either. is a classic. But I remember reading an article about it. I don't really do horror movies, so do stop it? talking. <laughs> this is scaring me. Um, <laughs> no, this will help inform, <laughs> this will help inform Roger. Um, I read this article. And one of the things in the article was um, how uh, people like as old as you, Bill, um, who remember it when it was in the theater, um, and their reaction to the movie relative to people today who are in their 20s. Because people in their 20s watch the original Halloween and they're like, well, this is just kind of, yeah, this is sort of formulaic. And it's only older people who are l- like us who are like, no, you don't understand. This is the movie that all the other horror movies, hence, have borrowed from. And so, Citizen Kane is one of those. Like, you, there are any number of articles that have been written about Citizen Kane about the number of innovations in movies that we take for granted today that Orson Welles and his team came up with just to film that thing. Yeah. You got, you got work to
2: do, man. Yeah, yeah. I do. Um, Alien, I haven't seen. Avatar haven't seen.
1: Uh, There's like six more avatars coming. Yeah, you right. got to see Alien. I, I never saw Avatar. I mean, now you you got to see that in the theater. Or you got to have like uh, the 3D glasses or something for it to be the real experience. I think. Yeah, I you mean, by the time you're retired, they'll be like it'll all be in 3D or in enhanced reality or something like that.
0: And no one will be writing in cursive. Cheers. I woke up this morning with the sundown
4: shining in I found my mind in a brown paper bag But then I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high I tore my mind on a jagged sky I just dropped in See what condition my condition was in Yeah, yeah, oh yeah What condition my condition was in I pushed my soul in a deep dark hole And then I followed it in I watched myself crawling out and my